Hello, hello, and thanks once again for joining us here on The Great Escape Pod, your weekly dose of expat chat starring guests from all around the world who've decided to ditch their home country in search of something new. As has quickly become the norm these days, we're recording in our pants from our separate houses here in Vancouver. I'm your host, Mark, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow Yorkshiremen, Rye and Owen. How are you doing? Can you guys hear me drinking coffee? Because if not, I do want to stealth drink it. Oh, I'm drinking coffee too. I always wonder if people can hear me drink on the podcast, but that's that's good. Yeah, but I'm fine, Mark. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that's your biggest worry going into the pod. That's good. Means that everything else is in check. 100%. That's good. Uh, how is everybody doing? Yeah, well, I'm just going to say that I'm 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 all right. Uh, just steady away as things are. I'm not in my pants. I am dressed. I want to make that very clear. Um, I'm not, I'm not an absolute okay. louch. Um, but I just want to talk about what I did during the week, and that was, I know when you did the same, we watched Mark act, and it was phenomenal. It was the highlight of my week. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, Mark, you were fantastic. Are you are you discussing the the live mm-hmm. online premiere? Yeah, and honestly, your your American <laughs> accent is a big day. Honestly, Mark, I, no, but all all just sad. <laughs> I, I want to say to the audience as well and acknowledge that I came into it thinking this is going to be you know your standard university kind of you know amateur performance. You took my breath away, Mark. You, you were you were a consummate professional throughout. <laughs> your your acting talents were. Definitely, the the you were the shining star of of the performances that I I saw, and uh, yeah, I just I was I think well, that that's you need that's some very kudos. very kind of you, and I, and it meant a whole lot to me that both you, Rai, a few other pals all tuned in, watched it live on YouTube. It really warmed my heart. Yeah. So thank you very it was much. A, it was a no- tuning in. Um, my acting career is yet to take off. Uh, since then, I'm I'm back to driving <laughs> a delivery van now, but uh, you know. Hopefully it's one of those things that will, you know, I'll just get my first shot at a big time and then I'll go from there. But meanwhile, that's how a lot of the greats either. Probably you might deliver a parcel to like George Lucas or something. You never know. I did deliver a package to uh, someone I thought was the star of Frozen Two actually yesterday. <laughs> did she you do a quick monologue at the door? I'm working my way up. <laughs> <laughs> I had something prepared. I'm an actor. <laughs> No, um, yeah. Other than delivering parcels, I've been having a good time here. Um, yeah, I've also been watching. We had a big like a premiere party here at uh, my girlfriend's house. Sierra's. Um, they had wine. They had popcorn. It was a pretty big deal, actually. So that was fun. They even laid out a red blanket on the floor. Oh, oh, yeah, we, we to did, be honest, nothing like that. Epic. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Um, kind of, you know, get do anything fancy when I was watching the the premiere of your films, but uh, I did. Uh, I did get changed into. I put a shirt on for the first time in quite a while. And uh, and our friend Scott, who was on a couple of weeks ago, he in fact put on a top half of a suit. The bottom half was his pants, but <laughs> it did look pretty spectacular as well. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. I love that. I yeah, was I, also I, hyping you up a little bit in the in the chat there, Mark. There was like there was a, a complimentary chat that uh, went alongside the films and it wasn't one of you two that was uh blocked from the chat. <laughs> no, no, no. 
I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to comment. Like, that was me. YouTube wouldn't let me what? comment on your videos. I don't know why. Uh, well, okay. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Why were yeah. you allowed to comment, right? Because it because you're, it, you're it, a well-known YouTube kind of video troll, yeah. Because it was no. Well, it said I had to sign in when I was already signed in. There was layers. There was clearly like more verification needed, and uh, I didn't. I didn't pass. All I know is someone was popping off in that chat, and they instantly got banned from. Oh lecture, no, that was so no, that wasn't me. I, them. <laughs> no, I wasn't putting anything inappropriate. Quite oh, the opposite. Well. I just got. I just kept on putting. Go on, Mark. Mark, you're doing great. Fantastic oh, lighting. You. I was acting like I right, knew well, anything about cinema. It's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> Enough piping on about premieres and. What we've been up to this week, I think it's about time we introduced our special guest for today. Yeah. Don't you think? Absolutely. All right. Okay. So, introducing Jess, who left England to move here to Vancouver nearly two years ago. Thank you, Jess, for coming on. Oh, Give hello, up your time. How are you? I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. I feel like it's such a privilege. It's really not. Thank you for sitting through <laughs> yeah, our Yeah, cheers, Jess. We always extend minutes. the intro a little bit far, and it seems rude on the guest. Not at all. <laughs> I was enjoying every second of it. I, I nearly for a second forgot that you're interviewing me. I was actually just enjoying the chat. <laughs> That's, not a good, that's not a good thing. I just forgot I was on this uh, show. Not a good Great. time for the rest of the podcast. I'm um, out. Yeah, Paxman used to have exactly the same problem. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time to get your own back, Jess. If you think we're rabbiting on, you can cut in and just hog, hog the mic as much oh, as you want. All right, well, um, should we kick off with our slow fire 100%. questions? Okay, yeah, we, we would call it quick fire, <laughs> but they never are, as is anything on this pod. All right, okay, so I'll hand over to Ryan to shoot off with these slow <laughs> yeah. uh, Right, well, firstly, um, Jess, what is your favourite TV show? Mm, so this one's actually quite tricky, but can I tell you my favourite kids TV show? Of course, yep. Yeah. So it's actually Absolutely. for people at home, they will know this, but it's Blue Peter. And yeah. <laughs> you know yes. what, do you want to know the reason why? I have a badge. You have a badge, don't you? <laughs> no. My claim to fame. What was it for? Love how you've come prepared for this. This is fantastic. So, you've got a Blue Peter badge. We have to. We have to stall just to get yeah. the story I wish behind I had that. Some amazing story that I did something heroic and amazing. Um, but I don't actually. It was just because I sent in a recipe that they used on the show, and I'm pretty sure my mum sent it in. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jess. Don't, don't, like... don't take the shine off you here, Jess. You're the one and sporting Jess, that badge at school. Were... Isn't that fantastic that you get a lifetime pass? If you know, like the old put down in England used to be like, oh, like if you said like, oh, I, I, you know, I went, you know, I had a great weekend, I did this, and then somebody would be like, what do you want, a fucking blue Peter badge? You could be like, nah, I've already got one actually. So, <laughs> old news, old news. My yeah, my mum still goes on about hers. Still, the huge yeah. thing. My mum's got one too. Well, it's tantamount to a knight yeah, yeah. knighthood, really. Like, I mean, you might as well call yourself, you know. I think you pretty much had to save the well, world. Well, funnily enough, one, my granddad it? has a gold one. 
Whoa. Fans in the family. What did you up. get a gold one for? Like, it was the gold one, like a prestigious award. I'm, I'm reading up on it as we speak. Yeah, no, he actually, see, he actually did something very worthwhile. So he was a captain of the lifeboat. So I grew up on the South Coast and he was the captain. And he was, um, he captained the lifeboat in rough weather. And he actually saved many people's lives one evening when a ship was sinking. So he did it, he did good. He got it for the right reasons. Wow. wow. Worthy That's of amazing. a beer badge. Um, incredible. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he must yes, have been proud I'm, when he heard of your I'm, achievements. I'm reading that you can get an absolute mint for these on eBay. Have you ever thought about <laughs> shifting your... <laughs> no, my grandfather, he's probably lost it. <laughs> so... I've got to say, your your grandfather saving people's lives is a lot better than Mark's grandfather inventing Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not measuring. Um, right, so let's let's dial back. That's genuinely amazing, Jess. I can't believe I never knew that. Uh, you should, you, that is incredible. Shout you, out to you. Should open with that when you meet work. people because you've never told me that before, Jess, and that's genuinely <laughs> fantastic. Um, you should get second. my granddad's podcast. That really would be a, a show to a show to listen to. <laughs> my you should also you should also pop that front and center of your LinkedIn profile because I feel like <laughs> if I was an employee looking at at your education, I'd be like, yeah, university, but you know, not many people have a blue Peter badge, so that definitely defines you. You know, I know. Do you do you guys remember? Um, uh, I forget when it was. When we started this quick fire question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark always Mark hates it when the quick fires get laid out. Oh, right. <laughs> no, I don't. I actually love that story. Right, okay. Like, <laughs> we could spend forever yeah. on these questions. Right. They're so good. You can't wait. Taken. Point taken, Mark. I'll... Anyway. Yeah. One more. <laughs> I'll ask one more then. I'm sorry. What's your favourite UK musician or band? No, yes. no. Uh, okay, so I'm probably going to get a lot of stick for saying this. Um, but people often say that I was born in the wrong era, so I'm going to have to say Elton John, the legend that is Elton John. It's huge. You'll get so, no stick for that. Wow. I was going to say two weeks, two weeks in a row, in a row we've had Elton John. Come oh, well, there you go. Yeah, you'll get no you stick for that. Lame after all. No, Elton's fantastic. Did you see him on his uh, show uh, last year here? No, I didn't, and I I know that was his last tour, so I'm very gutted that I didn't get to see him. But it was shortly after we had moved, and we were super poor, and the tickets were really expensive. <laughs> well, yeah, well let's let's uh, well let's dial back to all this then, um, kind of similar ways you said that. Can we, oh, can we do the UK fine. food one? Mark likes talking about food, like talking that. about rolling down hills. What's your favourite UK know. food, Yes. It's dairy milk chocolate, of course. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. But it's, it's not as good out here, I have to say that. I know I sound like very up the empire, but dairy milk is just worse, not in England. I know what that... Oh, well, yeah, the cows are different. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I do, no, I do genuinely think it tastes very different here. That's why I said UK food being dairy milk, because there's no better uh, chocolate than dairy milk chocolate from the UK. That's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've got very Blue true. Peter, Elton John, and Dave. That is very British, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I know we asked them delivered, to be fair. I... <laughs> um, so, speaking of Britain, then, um, of course, with your grand and uh, life, where about were you in the United Kingdom? 
So in um, a place called Chichester, which is a small Roman town in between Portsmouth and Brighton, on the right on the south coast. Roman? Yeah, hmm. it's, so it's a Roman settlement, Chichester, and it's, yeah. <laughs> the Romans still they live will there. probably. There's so many old people that live there. Everybody's rolling around in flip-flops <laughs> with their spears. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just really well I went to a Roman well. village when I was a kid, actually. <laughs> I remember going on a history tip to a Roman village. I brought my it's mom a, out. It's, it's a sleepy... It's called a city, but it's it's not big enough, really, to be a city. It's very small. That's fair enough. Have you got a cathedral? It has got a cathedral, and that's, that's why they call it the city of Chichester. But... Max checking that Rise checking that it's a city <laughs> <laughs> No I just want to know why I just want to know why <laughs> no, no, I love the way you were testing the ones It's a good I just want I just want to know why these small places are cities and Middlesbrough isn't, all right? I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> I knew there might be some bitterness for me coming on being a someone from the south coast to New Yorkshire men. <laughs> oh <laughs> to be oh, fair, true. Yes. That's true. I think you've yeah. won us over with your I, I remember story. you just saying once that I was your favourite northerner, which shows that you know no other northerners but me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad that we've now tripled that. <laughs> I'm not, that's always Kyle, but... <laughs> ah, true, Kyle, yes. Uh, other... Previous guest Kyle, of the, the podcast. the enema. Yeah. Yes. I, the I, one I... who had the enema. <laughs> like a... Describing him like you describe a Friends episode. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you were in Chichester. Okay. Did you move from Chichester when you left, or were you somewhere else in the UK? What what made you leave? What was going on? So no, I actually left um, left home when I was eighteen to move to London, um, and that's where I studied to be a nurse. Um, and I started working at Guys and St Thomas's as a nurse for an intensive care for about nine years. So I was in. Yeah, I was in London for about nine years in total. Um, and then, yeah, so the reasons why we, we kind of left. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite, um, it wasn't a spontaneous decision at all, but it's something that my fiance and I, so Greg, um, he, we've been talking about for a long time and we've been on the cards for a while, but we've never really had the confidence to actually take the plunge and, and do it. Um, and it wasn't until um, the kind of catalyst was when we were living with some friends and uh, a couple that were a couple and they broke up and it was a kind of a big epiphany moment for us to think, wow, we need to make some changes. And it kind of pushed us into moving to Vancouver. Hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. Oh. And wow. did you did you? Wow. It makes me want to learn more about this couple of brothers. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll maybe see if we can get them on the pod afterwards just for a bit of closure on the situation. <laughs> did um, I, One question I've, I've got, Jess. Did you did you flirt with any other places other than Vancouver? Did you kind of dabble or was it kind of like Vancouver was the, the, the one you kind of always had in mind? Um, we We kind of went back and forward on some different ideas and we were thinking of potentially moving to Europe and Italy came up for a little while. Then we spoke about Australia, but Greg had already been to Australia. So he wasn't too keen on that. And then actually I think one of the biggest reasons was that Greg had family in Vancouver and he had spent a lot of time here when he was younger. 
um, and his family spoke so highly of it and it kind of made me really interested to see what it was like and kind of see what all the fuss was about. Um, and then we actually came out a year before mm-hmm. we moved just to see whether I would like it. And actually, we came in the dead of winter and it snowed pretty much the entire week. So God knows how he got me out here. Um, but <laughs> I did enjoy I did like yeah. it when I came. I could see through the snow and the cold to see that it would be a really cool place to live. So, yeah. So after all that kind of like kind of talking about it, we finally made the decision and, and decided to go. Massive, fantastic, fantastic! I hear went before you moved out here to Vancouver, Jess. Yes. You did a bit of traveling. Before went to you South settled. America. Where did you go? So went to South America for four months. Yeah. Oh. So we started. How was that? In Where did you go? Panama, um, and then we traveled all the way through um, South America, right down to the very bottom to Patagonia, and. It was honestly the best four months of my life. It was they, they, they like South America is so diverse. You have kind of the Caribbean coast in Colombia, and then you have you go all the way down to the bottom. And you have Patagonia, you have the mountains, and so every country has something different to offer. And like it's got so much history to look into. We absolutely loved it. We absolutely loved it. <laughs> I always get scared about America. I think like there's going to be a language barrier that I've struggled Greg with. How did you guys speak get by? A bit of Spanish, and I pretty much felt like I turned into a mute after oh, right. being with him for four months because I didn't speak because he did all the speaking for us. Um, yeah, so I tried to learn a bit of Spanish, but um, yeah, I mean, I've only just managed to learn English, so Spanish was yes, yeah, <laughs> not on the cards. <laughs> yeah that's fantastic that is fantastic so when you came to vancouver did you do like i mean were you straight kind of did you get a pad together straight away did you do the hostel thing like how how did you kind of how were those kind of initial uh you know a few months kind of getting settled in in vancouver tell us a little bit about your experience getting settled well yeah i mean the settling process was hard i must say i think um i think the traveling for four months beforehand was um in our minds going to be the the best experience of our life and then we then get to this really exciting thing a move to Vancouver but I think we really underestimated what it would take actually moving from like doing four months traveling and then move straight to another country um yeah I mean we we were in we were in Rio um on the last kind of leg on our trip um for carnival which was fantastic but I have these memories of being kind of drinking far too many caipirinhas um turning up to the airport I still had glitter on my face from carnival um and then the kind of reality hit me that I'm just about to get on a 30-hour journey to Vancouver to then suddenly start my new life um and that reality was quite quite hard um and you know I remember arriving in Texas because we had three we had three flights to do and the first one was Texas and they were like ma'am have you just been to Rio <laughs> covered in glitter like still half drunk <laughs> <laughs> could yeah, be worse you could true. be heading back up um, to Chichester yeah I was going to say that you know what I mean huge thing there <laughs> give it stick to that place <laughs> it's the own place of your grandpa yeah and then so but then we <laughs> arrived in Vancouver and it was blizzard again so the second time i saw vancouver it was blizzard 
blizzard conditions um but I think what we were craving and one of the nicest things we had was a bit of home comfort and Greg's family um picked us up from the airport and they greeted me at the door with a glass of wine and a fluffy white uh, dressing gown and a bath and that's all I needed (laughs) (laughs) yeah just to get straight back care of the dog (laughs) (laughs) They had all this glitter for you, ready and waiting. <laughs> yeah, they were a bit surprised. They were like, what's four months of traveling done to you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the process of settling here, I think we, I think one, we were quite fortunate we had family here, I must say. So it was kind of those difficult things about having a dress. We had an address to use and we also had a base to go back to. We had family to cook us meals. So we were really lucky to have that. Um, I think the finding the house situation, we we were also quite lucky with that one. We stumbled across uh, a lovely flat um, in the heart of Kitsilano, about 200 metres from the beach. So mm-hmm. we kind of landed on our feet massively with that one. Wow. But even just signing a contract for a year was terrifying <laughs> because we didn't have jobs. We, we turned up with no jobs and we had to try and convince um, this letting agent that we weren't just going to not pay them. <laughs> so um yeah but they they kind of they did in the end agree and we did get jobs uh, eventually (laughs) (laughs) is there anything in particular since you've moved here to vancouver um i think from back home i think everyone's gonna say this and it is very true about missing family and friends it's it is hard um and i think at the moment we're we're both well we're planning a wedding back home um which in itself is a mammoth task we <laughs> we've learned we don't like to do things the easy way clearly um and that's kind of making me in particular feeling quite split like my heart is in two places um mm. so that's been hard but i think day to day i'm far happier here so that kind of keeps me what keeps me going to be honest um but then I do also miss my mum's roast dinners. The yeah. yeah. you just can't beat them. Oh, I I'm, I befriended a guy called uh, John. I think it was like my first year of being in Canada. I had a friend called Andy, and then he introduced me to John. And then we ran into this tradition of like going around to John's place every Sunday for a slap up roast dinner. And all we had to do was bring like ourselves and maybe like some dessert or something so i'd just rock up with like the cheapest ice cream you could get from 7-eleven sit back and nail roast potatoes yorkshire puddings gravy mm. lamb the whole shebang and it was absolutely brilliant there's nothing like a roast dinner yeah it's like it's so difficult to hit your mum's recipe like i try to make my mum sausage casserole this week and it was nice it was a lovely meal nothing on hers absolutely nothing and i know she's listening so yeah <laughs> 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 oh, oh trust me I, she she writes into me <laughs> you said this and that was wrong Ryan I'm sorry mum it was a joke <laughs> we've got a story here from, uh, from Janet in Middlesbrough <laughs> that's my mum <laughs> oh god so uh, yeah. in an alternate <laughs> universe as Owen would say what would you be doing now if you hadn't have made the trip to Vancouver can you yeah, imagine a life so. back home I think, in, in England well, Greg was always going to be in my future, I guess. <laughs> now we're getting married. 
um <laughs> so it would be with him and yeah. we would we would probably be living in bristol um we his family's from bath and we had spoken about well, there was kind of two kind of plans on the cards and one was obviously doing the whole traveling and moving abroad and the second was let's kind of be sensible let's you know we're getting married and we should get a house and we should settle down and we should both get good jobs and so um and both to honestly both I probably would have been happy with but when I thought of the two realities I was far more excited by doing Vancouver and I just didn't necessarily see us settling down at that so quickly so that's kind of what spurred me on thinking about well the other option would be to stay and move to Bristol and so that kind of pushed us to to actually take the plunge. That leads us nicely I think onto uh, a little nugget of advice if you were going to give advice to someone who's like considering becoming an expat moving away from Britain mm. or whichever country they live in to start afresh somewhere new what what would you say to them before they so I think it's trigger? important to fully know what you're getting into um and give yourself time to think about it and don't necessarily rush into anything you need to know it's the right thing for you um because there will be tough times and you need to know that you've made the right decision um reflecting back on that kind of decision making of why you left um but I also think that when you do move somewhere don't beat yourself up too much if it doesn't go the way that you think it is going to go because life happens and things happen and it doesn't always work out but it's just important to be kind of in the moment and enjoy the experience yeah it's very true about things not going as you planned straightforward i think it's Mm. definitely right there a bit of flexibility will help a lot in the long run long run all right well, thank you for that little nugget of advice. And uh, I think it's time now to move on to our home yep. and away section. And uh, this week we're going to talk about red tape, which on the surface is a lot of paperwork and stuff. And you might think it sounds a bit dull, but actually it's a very appropriate topic for us expats. There's often when you get to a new country, there's a load of stuff you have to do before you settle in, before you get a job, before you get a bank account, all this sort of stuff. And it, it's quite the thing bogging you down when you first landed in a new country so <laughs> Jess I believe you've been wading these waters for quite some time can you yeah us on the, yeah I'm certainly well versed a lot of red in tape Canada. in Canada um so yeah I, I as I mentioned I was a nurse well I am a nurse um back in the UK and uh, you know I started training when I was 18 and I loved it and I still do love nursing and I um so I started the application to become a nurse here in Vancouver um, and that I started back um, over coming up to two years now in June and I'm still not out the other side of it. It is a very, very long process and you have to be very committed to be able to, 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 getting, to getting it. Um, the main issues is just the bureaucracy around it. It just, there's the time like time scales that they give for paperwork to come through um it's completely one-sided they um their timelines are completely off like they would say that something would take two months and then it would end up taking six months um a lot of the 
Yeah, so sorry, they, I should explain the process. To but there's government? there's four um, kind of steps to the process, yeah. and um, the initial step is the National Nursing Assessment Service. So effectively, um, you apply to this this service and. They take all your your transcripts and you have to fill out um, a whole application form and you have to get your previous employers to certify that you're a nurse. And um, that was one like, one very expensive initial pro- uh, initial step. And it um, does take a really long time. Um, they did actually, the national, so they call it the NNAS, they lost some of my paperwork, which delayed my application for quite a while and then I was in between a fight between the nursing midwifery council which is the registration board for nurses back home saying that they did send it and then the Canadian side saying that they haven't received it um and it was actually them that had lost it (laughs) so So, uh, let me get this right you you were studying nursing back home in England and you came across here expecting to find it relatively easy to slot straight into a nursing job and yeah you know I'm a nurse I'm a qualified I had been qualified for six years back home three years of training and then I'd done I'd become wow. a senior okay. intensive care nurse um in one of the biggest Lon- London hospitals um I was like I don't like to toot my own horn but I was quite I was highly skilled and um qualified I yeah and I kind of went into the process thinking that um well i would hopefully be an asset to the healthcare system um, yeah rightly so yeah Clearly you've, done um, the, you've done your but you've walked the they walk. they just make it extremely hard um for they it's not that they don't recognize it they just just process just takes so long um and it's not it's not the healthcare system it's the government layer above it that is the problem because when i my job that i'm in now i do work quite closely with some of the nurses at Vancouver General Hospital, obviously not in a nursing capacity, but, um, and they say that we know we're in dire need of nurses. I, I just can't understand that they're putting you through this and they make it so difficult. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Are you likely to get through at some point? Are you gonna, so eventually, yes, I think, well, done? I'm through to um, what you would call the final stages but unfortunately with covid the whole thing's been stopped my application is now on hold um so which is in itself is Mm. is a bit crazy when they need nurses but they've decided that's the what they're going to do um but i had to go through um assessments so i've i've paid you know i pay to do tests further exams um and then they just seem to add in what can seem no other reason just to make money. It just seems like a money-making um, scam. Yeah, because it... For sure. Just you, um, just you bringing up the, the topic of exams and tests reminds me a lot of the mandatory English tests yeah. we have to do here, but I'll, I'll let you get to No, that. no, and it's, a, it's exactly <laughs> the same premise, really, because... <laughs> It is, it does, because I had to, um, when I replied to the, uh, the BCCMP, which is the Nursing Registration Board in British Columbia, and one of the first sections they asked me is um, writing an explanation of why I should be, why my English test should be wavered. Um, and that cost me um, $200 just to submit to say that I don't need an English test. That's madness oh <laughs> yeah, so it was quite hilarious because my box just started when i wrote in it saying 
Um, I'm English. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is something we all like contend with here, isn't it? Like uh, it's compulsory when you come over here and um, as a Brit and you want to get permanent residency. Part of the application process involves a mandatory English test, which I think I haven't met anybody who's had <laughs> like a yeah. pleasant experience doing it. It just seems so unnecessary. Like they have to be re-examined on your English yeah. level when your mother tongue is English. It's crazy. I mean, I, I mean, I remember being locked in a room. I think I was mm-hmm. the only British person there for for like seven. I think it was like six hours or something. You can't. You have to be supervised to go to the <laughs> toilet, just in case I'm going to ask someone how to speak English in the toilet, and, and then go back, and then you're doing this written paper for six hours, and it costs an arm and a leg, and then, lo and behold, they find out you can speak English and write yeah. English, and then you're back to the. I uh, I was it just in mad, it? This is just slightly, slightly off topic. I was doing <laughs> the, the last time I, I was doing my driving theory test in Canada. And I'd, you can only get like, I think it was like 11 questions wrong. And I'd got like 10 questions wrong. And I got, I'd had like three questions left. And I was like, I was like having a fucking panic attack. I really didn't want to fail it. I'd already failed it like twice before. And I, I, I asked to go to the washroom because I was like, I didn't know that. I didn't know there was like three questions. I didn't know the answer. So I asked to go to the washroom and she was like, how many questions are there? I was like, I don't matter how many questions there is. She was like, I need to know how many questions there are before I let you go. I was like, there's three questions left. She, was like, she, she just saw the screen. She was like, obviously you can't go to the washroom. Um, but yeah, I was, I was planning to cheat on the test for sure. <laughs> I, think, I think one of the big things... Yeah. Uh, I did so, pass did it to be honest, and, and the funny thing is, I passed it literally. It was it was because it's multiple choice. So I I just looked out. I didn't know the answer to the final three, and I just kind of did did a bit of deductive reasoning and, and managed to it. kind of get it. But uh, yeah, that was it was uh, by uh, by the skin of my teeth for sure. <laughs> That's what they always used to tell us back at high school when you're doing GCSE science, and it's like, oh, this is a multiple choice one. No one could pass it technically. <laughs> they just scribbled on one of the answers for every <laughs> they could pass. <laughs> I think always I think one of the big things that. you touched on there is it's like the hidden costs mm-hmm. of just everything when you move out. Yeah. You never think about like I'm going through PR now, and it's a fairly large sum just to submit, but you probably double it because you want to do all these third party mm-hmm. stuff like the English exam, like the medical. Did you have issues with that um, in China, Mark? Or is that a Canadian thing? Um, I think it was like the same, but like times 10 in China. Basically, I know when you're going for your PR here in Canada, say you've got a university um, certificate, it's in English, mm-hmm. and then you have to get it proven. Yeah. I think you send it off to WES. World Education Services to prove that it's a thing and it's a real document, so that's cool. But in China, like to do similar things to get my visa, I had to get my uni certificate. I had to send it off to a um, uh, a lawyer's in Britain, and then they have to put a red stamp on it, and then I have to send that paper to someone in China to transcribe it into Chinese, and then they have to send it off to the Chinese government to get another red stamp on it. And that thing takes weeks and weeks, and then lots of money as well. And I remember there's just, there's a lot of red tape in China, as you'd imagine. And I remember I'd, I'd go on holiday, I'd leave Beijing, I'd go back mm-hmm. home, say, come back into China. And then within 
I think you get like so many 48 hours or something. You have to, within 48 hours of landing, you have to go oh. to your local police station, wherever that may be, and check back into China. <laughs> Otherwise, it goes on your criminal record That's and you might get in trouble for it later on. And I'd forgot to do that a whole bunch of times. <laughs> like, I go to the police station, like, did you do this the last five times you're in China? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure I did. And plus, after that, there's a load of confusion. Like, when you lost in translation, I'm not sure what they were saying and if they're having a go at me and whatnot. And just a lot of like, here, when you come to, uh, mm-hmm. to Canada, your visa is two years minimum. And then after that, you can go for permanent residency. And then you can sort of relax and think, I'm a Canadian citizen. Cool. If you're trying to be a foreigner in China, I use the word foreigner because that's what they label someone coming in. Um, even if you've lived there for, say, 15, 16, 17, maybe 20 wow. years, you still have to renew your visa every single year. You won't be recognized as being a, a full-on Chinese citizen. I'm not sure if that ever can be the case, unless you marry, I think. that's That might help you cause but like yeah i knew people who'd lived there for 15 years and every single year that trip to the government office which is a bit tense because the rules change every year to try and get your visa renewed and for me i was there for like four or five years it just ended up going to a dodgy office somewhere in downtown beijing and <laughs> lumping a load of red money on a table and asking him to do it for me <laughs> and i'd get my brand new visa it was dodgier by yeah, the year does. but as long as you knew someone who knew something, <laughs> visa no problem but it, it always led to a little bit of a scary moment every year. Like, oh, is you, have you done your visa yet? No, no, no. I'm going to leave it till uh, leave it till the month of, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, I'm going to go see my man, give him that cash. It's, it would seem like a lot of red tape, mm. but easily overcome if you have mm. the right people with the right money. I think, which sounds, <laughs> sounds like... dodgy, but it is Mark. No, Don't talk to me no. About taxes, no uh, we'll, we'll skip taxes, I think. Um, Have you guys got any um, stories of I, how to overcome um, red tape? No, other country? than like just like the visa processed in in Canada, like obviously, uh, I did common law with with my partner, so it was um, yeah. There's a lot of red tape involved in that, like kind of proving you're a couple, uh, which is tough, like. Especially if you're not the type mm. of couple like to take a ton of pictures with each other and just or like love each other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, you, you forget it's tough though. You forget exactly kind of because after a year or so of living together, you have to. It's it's all good you saying like oh I'm, I'm with this person, but like proving it is a lot more difficult, especially if you don't like if you're fairly early in a relationship where you're not sharing like a lot of finances and like. Right, you know, now, six years on, like, obviously, a lot of our finances are shared and stuff. But back in the day, like, you know, a lot of that stuff, you're still kind of getting fixed and stuff. So, like, we we had to kind of go through all our banking records and submit, like, all the information that kind of, like, linked us to each other. So, like I say, it was like a load of, like, e-transfers and, and, and renting information. It's just, yeah, just shitloads of paperwork, really. We had to kind of bury ourselves through in order to kind of prove our uh you know the existence of our relationship and yeah it was it was absolutely horrendous you have to have a head for <laughs> you know just fucking boring admin work mm. you really get to test yourself yeah. in the is he is he worth two hours of paperwork <laughs> <laughs> that, I, i'm told yes but that is the limit <laughs> well you you passed through 
those uh, those challenges, Owen, and that means you're here today 100%. as a fully fledged Canadian citizen. Oh, and we're so, so blessed to have you on this podcast because you bring such wonderful sections to it, such oh, as God. your travelers from history section, which this week, despite popular demand, we are not rebranding as we're not ex pasts. Oh. And we're, we're, we're not, we're not. We're going against the grain. I know it's a wonderful idea, but <laughs> we can't. Ages it's too that. good. So we can't. Oh, I'm gutted. I'm signing out. <laughs> anyway, over to you, Owen, with the section that we're not... <laughs> yeah, I mean, past. obviously, yeah, it, it, it's true. I, To be honest, this week, just to kind of warm us back into the section, um, you know, it's just going to be a short one because, uh, you know, I think the, the main complaint and the reason why we remove the section in the first place is I had a tendency to to to, to just kind of um yeah go on a bit. Um but I think it was a combination of that and does not having a good enough name for it, but um expasts isn't good enough. It was either, also so we'll due to, to you know early doors we were kind of quite concerned about user feedback and uh, so one of the main pieces of feedback was that a lot of the audience members wanted <laughs> the segment dropped. Um but you know we've <laughs> we're just obviously ignoring that now so that's fantastic. <laughs> Um, so yeah, mass, mass... <laughs> yeah exactly. who's this podcast for anyway? Us and our for us. <laughs> so, the, the person uh, the, you know, the, basically get the, the traveler slash explorer in the spotlight this week is Ernest Shackleton. You might know him. He's he's a very very popular historic figure. Oh. Ernest Shackleton in in full, Sir Ernest Henry Shackleton, um, was born February fifteenth, eighteen seventy four, in Kilkey. County Kildare, Ireland, um, and he died in 1922. Um, he's an Anglo-Irish Arctic explorer who attempted to reach the South Pole. Um, he was educated in Dulwich College, and Shackleton a- entered the the Mercantile Marine Service. So it was, you know, it was a he was a naval merchant um, in 1890 and became a sub lieutenant in the Royal Naval Reserve. And he joined Captain Robert Falcon Scott's British National Antarctic Discovery Expedition as third lieutenant and took part with Scott uh, in the sledge journey across Ross Ice Shelf uh, when latitude um, was reached. His health suffered um, and he was removed from duty and sent home. Um, But he went on to become um, one of the guys who kind of was one of the the first people to kind of travel the, the whole of the Antarctica. He was the leader. One of those guys who, but yeah, I think did what Antarctica. Is <laughs> most impressive is the fact that these guys, you know, in in the in the early 18th century, were fucking going to the Antarctica with like minimal <laughs> gear. They were just doing it, and and it is pretty mad yeah. to just think of these guys in you know very very kind of primitive gear. Um, in such incredibly extreme conditions. So that's why he's in my spotlight this week. Been thinking about him a lot. Um, where's um where's Ernest from? Just that, like uh, if he, he was, was from, from um, Kilke, Kilke, County Kildare, somewhere in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Nah, you didn't. Said that right at the beginning as well, Max. So I mean I think that's, you know, the problem is the audience does seem to tune out as soon as that's <laughs> I'm descended from Irish gypsies as well, so maybe one of those was yeah, but to Ernest, I don't know. Yeah, um, lovely, you know, lovely tale. He though. was an absolute bloke by the sounds of it, and um, yeah, and the expedition, the expedition is the most famous expedition was responsible the first ascent of Mount Ebrus, 
Um, the sledging part returned to the base camp in late February 1909, but they discovered that the Nimrod had set sails some two days earlier. Shackleton and his party set fire to the camp to signal the ship, which received the signal and returned to the camp a few days later, successfully retrieving them. So they could have been left uh, in the Antarctic and, and they could have all died. So they were also kind of um, you know famous for this escape. But yeah, definitely a character that's worth reading about, Ernest Shackleton. Those days were good, weren't they, when you could go to Antarctica and back. And now we can pretty much go to the bathroom, the kitchen, yeah, yeah. and go back to your bedroom again. And even that's we're all travellers in essence. Doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, hopefully we'll get spoken about by Owen in a few weeks' time. Well, right with your new bike. I mean, I'm assuming you're. We're going to embark on a journey to Delta, Delta BC. I mean, um, you are you are on commission for Delta. Cause you are ooh. pushing this hard. I'm a huge Delta BC guy, huge, <laughs> huge Delta BC guy. Uh, right. What's the great escape? Uh, yeah. Um, well, we have, have um, I think we've got time for one quick question. We've had a few, but I've uh, just picked one here from Lovent in Dorset. Um, and he just says that he knows he wants to become an expat. He knows he wants to live and work abroad, but can't decide where to move to uh, with so many good options. What was he just asked? What were our deciding factors in deciding where we where we went to? So I'll throw it to you, Jess, first. I know you you touched on flirting with other places. What was the actual clincher? Was it the Greg's um, family? I think that was a I think that was a, a a nice thing to have having Greg's family here. But I don't think it was a di- deciding factor. I think for us, it's knowing what you want out of the experience. And for us, it was um, you know we we had kind of run it we've had did our time in london and run its path and we were just looking for much more outdoor lifestyle much more healthier lifestyle and vancouver could give that to us as well as having being a city that could we could keep our careers going in and just having all that outdoors and nature so close was just so amazing for us um and the fact you can ski in the winter and then go kayaking hiking um and island hop in the summer i mean it's a no-brainer for me but so i think it's just deciding what you want from the experience (laughs) that's such a much better answer to what i did to be fair i just I knew I was coming to Canada because I had the visa and I liked Canada and I just picked where snowed the least (laughs) and uh, that was it. Booked the flight. (laughs) So do you research? (laughs) I I didn't want to deal with snow. So I thought, oh, Vancouver. It's a good call. I mean, because when I was in Toronto, the the snow was the worst thing about my experience. So what 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 was your deciding factor then, Owen? What in coming to Vancouver from Toronto? No, no, choosing Toronto. When you when you first did that thing as an expat, what why Toronto? Oh, my, my sister, my sister lived there, so it that was, was that uh, was your country. Yeah, it was. Uh, but it just gets get so cold in Toronto. And for just, you, it, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't me, live in Ontario or Quebec. No, it's true. It's absolutely fucking brutal. It's a nightmare. Well, you know, you're not related <laughs> yeah. to Owen's lovely sister, so and yet. That's the difference. <laughs> Mark, for you, like you've done it twice now. Why did you pick Beijing and why Vancouver? Just quickly for Lawrence. Um, Beijing was a fair few years ago. And at the time I was dating uh, a native Chinese girl who I'd met in England. 
and then she had to go back for visa reasons and whatnot. And I was like, hey, why not? Because otherwise I'm not going to be with her anymore. So I thought, oh, new adventure, new time. I'll try out China. This is going to be wild, crazy. Give it a chance for a year, see where it goes. Ended up there for four or five. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, and then coming to Vancouver, I was like, oh, my brother lives here. The movie industry is big here. I want to get into films. Um, and they speak a bit of Mandarin, I hear. So I can continue practicing my Mandarin in Canada. That hasn't worked out. But I'm here in Canada anyway. <laughs> the other two are going all right. And uh, yeah, I just can't believe it was one of the factors why I moved here. I joined a Chinese football team and everything. And I just gave up on that. No, definitely not. So I think, I think to summarise... But yeah, I think to summarize the Lawrence is basically listen to Jess's answer <laughs> and don't listen to ours to me because we kind of did it on a whim. But that's okay too, <laughs> yeah. I think. I, you know, sometimes life <laughs> does throw different curveballs and it's fun. That's all part of the journey. But there you go. Very, very true. Look at you circling back yeah, to like the advice lot, you that, gave earlier on, Jess. You are that's an app. Yeah, that's a, that's a professional <laughs> round back up, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Take notes, Mark. <laughs> I think uh, that is a lovely bit of symmetry to bring the podcast to an end on, I think. Um, before we go and say thanks and everything, just want to remind everybody to give us a follow if you're on the gram at Great Escape Pod is our handle. You can also find us on Facebook as well. Feel free to send us a message in on Instagram or Facebook, by the way, if you're not into email. But if you are into email, our email is greatescapepodcast at outlook.com reach out get in touch we'll try and share your stories on the podcast um in oh, weeks welcome. but other thank than that thank you so much for having me thank so you so fun. much for coming on yeah, jess. you've been a great guest yeah that was an absolute treat thank you very much jess and it was Thanks, great guys thanks for listening to our podcast Follow us on social media. I've got nothing, lads. Anyone want to brew?